The following program is an abridged audio version of the streaming video talk show, A Wonderful Chaos. The hosts are Andy Chaliff and Bambos Dimitriou. The format is entirely casual, unscripted conversation. If you'd like to watch a live taping or participate with your comments in real time, subscribe to A Wonderful Chaos on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, or Twitch. So after the court came through with the decision, that was a very bad day as well. That's probably the worst day of my life. And I think that was probably the worst beating of my life. And, uh, and my father still had visitation. And, uh, and I refused to go. And I, I spent the whole first weekend where I refused underneath the bed. And my, my grandma would bring me food. And then I didn't have to go back. So after that, I mean, that, after that, it was, um, it was starting something different, right? It was, but it was really a, a sense in myself that I was just never going to allow this to happen. Like I could never allow somebody like my dad to ever be able to put me in those those positions. It's a wonderful chaos. Solo or tandem. We work to find rest and fight to find peace. Both head and the heart. What are we doing here? You mean listening to this show? Where the more that you learn. We are today with Christopher Ancona. So we're going to discuss how he had a life that was quite unique. He was emancipated at 12 years old. He was in a situation where his mother was a lesbian. His father was uh, aggressive and the state wouldn't let him live with his mother and he didn't want to live with his father. So what did he do? He figured out how to live on his own. So we're going to talk to him about that journey on a wonderful chaos. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) You know, at 12 years old, you know, we, I discussed that in at that time in the U S your mom coming out as as a lesbian meant that she couldn't raise you. Yeah, I mean it's it's a bit unclear. It it, it so it it meant that. I mean that definitely was at the time just not okay. It was just that being a lesbian and being a single mom that just was not okay. Uh, at the same point, my mom actually did kind of go to court and say that children interfere with her new lifestyle, and so. It's it's difficult for me to separate which part of that is what what is the truth there? Like how much of that was there a society pressure and how much of that was her own choice? I guess there's probably some blend. Because even after I later on when I moved with my grandparents, she she came to visit sometimes and my grandma told me that my grandfather had to force her to come to visit us. Mm-hmm. Um so I guess there's some truth in the fact that she didn't want us, that we were in interference. Yeah. Um but I, I just the, the mix is is difficult to say. I never felt that my mother didn't love me, um, but she wasn't there most of my childhood after that either. So, yeah. Um, yeah so that, but that, that made it, that makes it comp- the story a little bit more complicated, but yeah. for sure I didn't grow up with my mom really as a, as a significant influence. When, when I, when I heard you say possibly my mom didn't want us um, because your grandfather had to force her, what came up for me was, 
another possibility and that was coming to see you was difficult because she would have to remember her not being a mother. I mean, sure. I mean, one of the things that's really, let's say tough on my mom's family, my mom doesn't talk about that stuff. She, she seems perfect. My, my mom seems like a very healthy adult. She's very happy with her life. She doesn't show that she's not. Um, and she just doesn't talk about that stuff. It's not important to her. And, and I know during that time, I mean, I remember when, uh, when my mom had to have her first HIV test, which was a super scary time back then. You're talking 1980s. And, you know, HIV was this new thing and it was going around in the, the homosexual community very strongly. And she told us, I have to go take this test. And it was a really tense time for the whole family during that. And um, we didn't really know as a kids, we didn't know what it was. We just knew that it was scary. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was a tension during that period. So her decisions, we, we just, I can never get in my mom's head really as far as that stuff goes. Um, but I'm sure she went through all of her own difficulty through all of that. I mean, it's the same with my dad. I think my dad went through a lot of difficulty as well with all his stuff. It's just, you know, they were dealing with their own lives and us kids were having to be independent from that because I think neither one of them were set, set to be parents. They just, they had their own stuff. How was it for you at 12 to sort of say, hey, listen, I can't be with mom and I don't want to be with dad. Like, where did you have the presence of mind to say, I want to be emancipated? Well, it, it was it was a bit easy in a certain sense because my parents were married very young and my yeah. dad was a workaholic. So he pretty much always worked through my youth. I don't have a lot of memories with my dad anyways. Um and my mom was going to school to be a nurse, so she wasn't around a lot. So I spent a lot of time with my grandparents who lived right across the street. So I'd already grown up with them. And yeah. um, I'd already been there. And so when my grandparents actually moved to to far away to retire, um, now my parents were stuck with us kids. And that's where the difficulty actually started, was yeah. after my my grandparents had moved away. So when things went really bad. The first place I went to was my grandparents, but then the courts took me away. So we were, there was a ping pong match as in a lot of divorces. And, um, eventually when it was, when I was able to get my own attorney and get emancipated, which was a very, uh, difficult time for me with the abuse, um, where I was going to go was obvious. So that was a little bit lucky in my sense, in my case. Yeah. That, that I mean, it blows me away to think that you were that young. How do you even get a lawyer? Like, how does that happen? Yeah. So, I mean, I would still go for visitation and the abuse was bad enough that there was able, you could take pictures of the bruises and the things. So, you know, I mean, the fact is people care. Yeah. And when you see that stuff, people have to step in and they did. Wow. So um, at a, at 12, it's, it's, it's actually called a guardian ad litem and it's a court court appointed attorney. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just, I just gave him my journals and the pictures and things and, and the court appointed attorney took it from there. Wow. You know, I always say that my life began when my mother was killed by the drunk driver when I was 18, like that was the, 
the moment where all of my innocence was gone. And and would would you say that was the moment when your innocence was gone? Would it have been even sooner than that? You know, it's hard to say. Um, I, I don't think I ever had like a an awakening because it was it was progressive. I mean, the night when my parents got divorced. I mean, I there wasn't a night, but there, the night that my my dad and my mom got in the big fight, the yeah. fight, um, that was like a rude awakening, and that was like, I mean, that was a very brutal evening uh, or night, and and I'll never forget that. Um, so that's when obviously something was wrong. Yeah, but so much of my teenagers after I went away were finding a way to survive and come up with a way to live that I don't think I ever had a moment to reflect until later. Mm. Like it was just like everything about my teen years was getting being coming is making it that sure that could never happen again, getting stronger, getting smarter, doing everything I could. So, so I don't know that maybe, maybe that night at the, maybe the night that my parents did have the final fight, um, Maybe that was the night because that was that was a rough night, mm. and I was not touched at all during that night. That was not a, I was not a part of anything during there except for my my father's family breaking in the door and physically removing us kids from the house. But my my parents' fight was the one that was like was tough. Yeah. So. So yeah, I, I would say, yeah, I don't know. I, maybe yeah, that yeah. was it. No. It if I if I hear you from that moment in time, you were then living, I guess, progressively with your grandparents. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I remember. So after the court came through with the decision, that was a very bad day as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll never. That was that's probably the worst day of my life. Mm-hmm. Even if I, at that point, gotten away, I hadn't gotten away yet because somebody still had to, like, I still had to get to the other place. And I think that was probably the worst beating of my life. And uh, and my father still had visitation, that at, uh, legal visitation uh, by the court order. And uh, and I refused to go. And I, I spent the whole first weekend where I refused underneath the bed. And my, my grandma would bring me food. So, um, and then I didn't have to go back. So the, they understood at that point. They understood at that point. Yeah. But you know that, so after that, I mean, that, after that, it was, um, it was starting something different, right? It was, but it was really a a sense in myself that I was just never going to allow this to happen. Like I could never allow somebody like my dad to ever be able to, put me in those, those positions. So. And how did that, how did that impact your life? Like going forward, you said that you studied and you, and you physically, you got physically fit or so like, what, what did you see as you doing in order to react to that in your life? Well, so it was, it was pretty simple simplistic. I mean, before that I was the kind of chubby kid who was a book book nerd and I, I love the Bible. I wanted to be a priest. That was before. 
And then afterwards, I decided to play basketball to lose weight and get in shape and play football to learn to hit and so that I could take the pain and I lifted weights and I went into robotics so that I could prove that I was able to be an engineer and I could mm -hmm. do all the stuff my dad said I couldn't. Yeah. Um, so it, it was a, a big switch. It was a, a total switch of everything. So I would say the only thing that stayed the same was my interest in philosophy, which has always been there, but the rest of everything changed. Wow. So. As, I, as I mentioned, our journeys feel as they always had when we first spoke, you know, even the timelines, maybe if we shift the day, you know, uh, 10 days ahead, we're kind of, you know, in that same experience, just a 10 year difference and a gap in our experience. You, you left the U.S. when you were 22. Is that right? Yeah, right around there, right after graduation. So. Yeah. And, uh, and, and in a way, I, I, I don't know if it was the same for you, but I left, I, I did a year abroad. So I did a year abroad, which meant I got a year up on, on you leaving, right? Because I took that year ahead. But did you, um, did you feel like at that point you were running away from the life in America? Like what was the, what was the way you kind of perceived that? Yeah. So the, at least for me, the going away was a total shocker. I had never expected to to leave. And I'd actually, I had a strange thing happen. Um, when I was 18, when I graduated high school, just before graduation, my brother had run away and my dad had picked him up and he was <clears> staying with my dad. And I'd actually called my dad on the phone and said, give me my brother back. Like it was like that type of conversation. And my dad was shocked to hear from me. And um, he ended up coming to my high school graduation. And when I'd re-met him after all this time, obviously I was, you know, I had hit puberty and I'd played football and I was a completely different person. Yeah. And I had this moment that I describe as my, my Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader moment. Mm. My dad had been a big, my dad, my family was football players, you know, so he was big guy, strong guy. He'd worked in, he'd worked really tough jobs, like in a, in a steel mill. Um, mm. So he was a big guy when I remember him as a kid. And when he showed up at graduation, he wasn't that much taller than me anymore. He was fat and bald mm -hmm. and he looked old. He was gray. And I was like, what is this? It was really this, like that, with that moment in, in Star Wars where, where Luke Skywalker, Skywalker takes off the helmet of Darth Vader and finds this old bald guy. And he even looked kind of like that guy. So my relationship had started to change with my dad at that point. And I'd wanted to give a, a, a chance to the relationship. And I'd actually re got connected with my father's family who I hadn't talked to since I was 12. So I, I'd never really intended to leave the United States. I, I'd, I'd kind of like, I had this dream of going to Italy and I had a map of Italy on the wall with money and little bags of places I wanted to see. Mm. And, um, and it just happened to be that I had, that there was a company that was willing to send me there for a year. And I was like, okay, well, I was a kid almost failing out of foreign language because that wasn't important. It was important as being an engineer. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so the, the, the travel abroad for me wasn't a running away as much as it was like this really crazy opportunity that I decided to take because I'd always wanted to go to Italy. Had yeah. they offered me to go to Germany, I may not have taken it. So, uh, Oh, wow. And, yeah. But you, you stayed on. So it wasn't like you took the year. You continued to live outside of the U.S., 
Yeah, well, it's my I did the, did the year, and then I went back and forth for another couple years, and then I'd actually quit and moved to France and started a wine company in the southwest of France, um, and ran that because then I had this idea of how I wanted to build my family uh-huh. differently than than uh, than I'd been raised, and uh, yeah, the international thing kind of came accidentally, just through my career and different different things and and now i'm almost yeah. exclusively outside the u.s for the last wow. i don't know decade i uh i'm still a little bit with uh when you met your father like mm. there was there was a scene in my head oh i can hit him yeah <laughs> i saw the same yeah. thing yeah like, so so share with me a little bit what was happening for you when you made like what were the impulses and what did you how did you navigate them well, when when I so when he was coming, I was I was obviously very prepared. I hadn't seen him since I was twelve, mm. and I was like, okay, I'm gonna be big and strong and show him, you know, like that type of. So my my mood, my internal state, everything was defensive, mm. ready to be very provocative, ready to fight. And when he showed up, he was like literally like this fat bald man, and I like I was just so shocked. That I'm like, okay, this is this doesn't make any sense. It just didn't compute with any of my memories of who he looked like, his status, his size, his position, um, yeah. nothing. It was all just totally, it totally shocked me. And I'd actually decided that I was going to see if I could have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that went on for, I did my best for like, I think 12 or 14 years. It just, wow. it didn't work out still. Like we mm-hmm. still... I gave it a shot and he's not interested and um, yeah, it didn't work. We're two totally different people with two totally different everything. And we would have never gotten along. Like, I, I don't know how it's kind of like I was, I have a father that's so disconnected from his son and I, I don't know. It's weird. It's hard to explain. I, I mean, we did, I did, I went really far. Like I would go to the gym with him and play racquetball and, I'd go, I'd go in the treadmill and run and he'd go to the sauna and then he'd tease me and say, look, I'm sweating too, except I'm getting to relax and do it. And you're having to do all that work. And I'm like, really, this is the conversation <laughs> we're going to have. You're going to like rip on me for running on a treadmill. He's like, look at me. I'm, I'm relaxing in the tub. See, I'm sweating just like you. My heart rates up everything. This is my exercise. Oh okay. <laughs> It was just totally like, you know, different, mm. different wavelengths in general. Yeah. I was about to say, what a, what a dick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we, uh, we, we, I, I loved swing dancing. And so uh-huh. I took up swing dancing and, um, I, well, just to give you a sense of my family, I had one robotics nationals at high school at, in high school at university level for the last three years. Mm-hmm. So I was going to, at, I was like 16 years old, going to college level robotics competitions and winning. So I actually had the title of world champion. When I re-met my father and my grandfather and I explained them that I was, you know, I'd won the world champion, they were arguing over who was the world champion at robotics. Uh It was either my grandfather or my father. And I was excluded from the conversation. They were arguing over which one of them was the world champion. That's just the nature of the family. It's like, so it's like, okay, I'm like, well, I I have the actual plaques on my wall. So, and at some point I would just like kind of fade away. Cause I'm like, why are we even having this conversation? Hmm. And my family's very, very competitive in that sense. So all of my relationships with them were always about who was better at something. And I hated it. Uh, and yeah. I, I have a little bit of that innate in me as well, but, um, but not, I just, I, 
I, I like to celebrate other people's wins too. And for them, yeah. somebody else's win is their loss. And I, I was really thankful because I had Boy Scout leaders who were different types of men that gave me a different way of looking at the things. And, and so I had some good role models, let's say, when I was away. And that was really helpful. Um, that, was, that was probably the thing that saved me was being able to see that the way that my father was and the way that the men were in my family was not the only way that men are and not the only way you have to be. Yeah. And, and that was a big thing. Wow. Big, big luck. Yeah. And, and now you're also a father. And now I'm also a father. How does, like, projection, just owning it. Um, yeah. To what degree are you your father in, in, in your relationship with, in your family context? Yeah, so one of the things that I've, I've worked really, and, and I, was, I was telling Andy about this on our call, um, when I'd moved abroad, I'd understood that so much was based upon my past and I didn't like it and I was looking for a new way. Mm. And one of the challenges was how can I create myself disconnected from that as much as possible and, and make where I want to go a creation and walk into that not knowing what's going to be there. Because I don't, I don't like with my son, I, have, I, I just want to create a different relationship. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but this is what I'm going to do. And it's a creation out of, I don't want to say nothing because that's not true, but it's more of a creation in a direction that isn't, it isn't just a ball rolling down a hill of my past. And, and that's kind of how I'm building my relationship with my son. So my son does some stuff like my dad. I mean, he, at night before going to bed, he walks around on the bed, like he's king of the bed and rah, rah, and he's doing all this stuff. And I just chuckle at him, mm. you know, I, I don't know, but he could be, he could be almost my father in a certain, in some of his activities, but he's a toddler. So they act that way. Mm. And I just chuckle. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know how much I am of my father. I don't really, I don't really, I intentionally don't really look, I guess. Uh, Maybe that's the right, the right way to express it. Is mm. I kind of hoping I can create something that is whatever it's going to be. And of course I'm creating it with out of love and yeah. you know, out of inspiration and those things, but how it's going to, and also, you know, one of the crazy things about living abroad is I don't have access to the same um, cultural latches that other people have. So if I was mm -hmm. back in, in Michigan, there'd be very specific cultural latches that would just be there. Like everybody fixes their car because everybody has a garage. And so you automatically go on a mechanical path with your children because that's what everybody does and here it doesn't work that way at all that that link isn't there so that probably mm. makes a big difference in just the traditions that that i can't accidentally fall into yeah when i went back to my my family's house which my italian family is a much bigger family than my mom's family which is very small we would have the same type of get togethers where there's still those, like those competitions, those crazy competitions and crazy things. And one of the things that I started where I started doing is practicing that whole, can I create something different? And I need to think of a good way to explain this. The first time I've had to actually talk to somebody about it and it didn't start out so easily. Um, Cause you go in there and you, you get sucked in. Because they know which buttons, like you're used to yeah. certain buttons being pressed in certain ways and it draws you into certain things. So that whole who's better than who, it was so easy for me to get drawn into. 
And what I would, what I started learning to do was create something different. And what ended up happening unavoidably is the people in the family I was drawn to and the conversations I was drawn to and the parts of it that I was drawn to changed. Yeah. And like, it was like everything was going in one direction for me before. And then now it's like things were going across this way for me. And it, it made for a different family experience. And I was able to learn the family in a different way hmm. because I was getting, I was getting close to people who maybe sat on the side and laughed at some of that other stuff that was happening in some cases, or it, they were like families kind of, the, it's, it's chaos, right? I mean, that's like the name of your show. And I guess I would, become more attuned to the parts of that chaos that were more tuned to with what I was committed to creating there. Yeah. And the other chaos, it wouldn't stop the other chaos from being there. Those other things, they would still be there. There's nothing I can do about them. It's just my position in that chaos would change. Yeah. And it, it led to a, I learned more about the rest of my family for the first time. Honestly, that was probably the outcome. And that's probably also why I don't hold any anger or like upset about it because I see that this is a big ball of mess and there's parts of the ball that are cool and there's parts of all that suck and they're all, it's all part of that ball. And when, if I want to jump in the ball, I know what I'm getting into and I yeah. don't have to jump into the ball either. So yeah, I was going to say you already paid admission price at the beginning. So now you know what you're in for. So don't complain. Right. Uh, but it's, it's really hard because when you, when you first go in, because at least for me, the history drew me towards certain people, towards certain conversations, towards yeah. certain things that I was just had an awareness of naturally. And changing that was a process. And I don't know if this is helpful to you at all, or if I'm just talking to stuff that doesn't make any sense. I hope it's helpful. Anyways. No, you've said a lot of things. I'm drawing a lot of notes because I didn't want to interrupt you. One thing you said that's hit me a lot in my life, um, not necessarily with my family, but more people in my environment, is this uh, concept of competition. So I, I, I noticed that I worked with someone for about five years, and every time I would share anything nice that I was doing, then there would always be, but I'm doing this. Mm. And then I'd always think to myself, uh, 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 well, yeah, that's great. And, but is there any reason why it isn't just great that we had that thing? So there was always this upping and, and it was funny because I was always like, uh, and I would celebrate this other individual. Like I was always happy because, Hey, it's great to see people doing well. And I love it. And even people that are struggling, like the people I love most are the ones that are struggling year after year after year and going nowhere because like I have deep admiration for the effort, like you're living, you know, where other people have given up, you're just, that is, that is life. So I actually saw that at some point there was a, the, the wife of this individual said, you two are competing with each other all the time. And I laughed and I'm like, oh my, I'm doing my best only to like not compete, just like, like celebrate the hell out of whatever is going on. Right. There's no need to say there's upping antes of any sort. So I noticed that I separated from people who needed to win hmm. because I, I, I didn't f feel fulfilled because what I saw is that in some ways there was always diminishing another so that you could improve whatever it was that you wanted to believe about yourself 
and and uh, and I just see my life as about building everyone up. That's all I want to be in life to everyone is to support and love them. And hopefully they go further than I've gone. And even that I don't care because I don't care how far I go. So just go, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And where, where I guess I was lucky is there's like, I have my uncle Pete, who's also my godfather and he's kind of the family black sheep. And he's like that. He's not competitive. He doesn't really care. He likes to just have fun with everybody. He likes to make jokes. And by siding with him and just spending more time with him, I was no longer alone in the chaos. I was no longer the one who was going. And and it was like this new, it was like a safe place inside of there in a certain way. But it was also a way to to build to be with somebody who was building a similar, who was interested to build a similar thing. And then that started creating kind of like the center of mass that then mm-hmm. the other people who wanted to be interested in that would kind of come in that direction a bit. Yeah. And the, it didn't change the rest of the family. Like I, I'd love to tell you that all the family became different, but they didn't. Yeah. But it ended up being a bit of a safe. I don't, it safe. Isn't right. It, it was a, pl- it was safe in a certain way, but it was also a place where I could be expressive in the way that I wanted to without being crushed, yeah. which is what happens when you go in some of those directions. And even like, you know, I, I heard in your voice, like some people, they, you want to help them and it's overwhelming because there's like, you can't cause there's just too much. It's like, it, it just destroy you. you. You don't have enough blood to give. Yeah. And, and it's the same in my, my film. I think that it's that same in any big group of people that are so intimately connected as to be this thing called a family. Yeah. Um, so to be able to have a place where like you can kind of escape, but still build and still be connected with who you are and express who you are with somebody else. It's, it's, it's a nice place to have. Yeah. And there's, yeah. there's another situation that you discussed, which I could re- re- like resonate. And also a bit where Bombas was discussing was, my dad was very provocative and he spoke poorly about my mom. So when I separated and I've discussed this several times on the show and in the book, but you know, when he came after I hadn't seen him for 10 years, it was not all that dissimilar. He was frail, gray, he walked slower. So this man that I was so fearful of my whole life was now an old man. Um, and when we, when we sat and, uh, and we're interacting at that, like he went in back to that, old pattern of how he provoked in order to create this sort of reinforcing negative loop of a conversation. So he, and he, he knew how much I love my mom. So he, he just said, your mom was a real cunt, which, which he knew would set me off in the past. So, mm-hmm. so I was looking like now I love my mom. I have no, I glamorized her a lot as a, it through my childhood, which made it harder to heal from the loss. Cause if you make someone angelic, then you sort of have to protect that image of them. But by that time that I was with my dad, she was just another human <laughs> being with her flaws. And, and so that was the, like one of the most important pattern breaks of my life, because what would have normally turned into one of these descending fights shifted immediately. Cause I just slowed down and said, you know, she's been gone for whatever, 20 years now. What's going on for you? Like, what what makes, what are you holding on to? And then he just started to cry. Hmm. And so we went from the pattern of the fight or the flight, right? I would have done either or to basically just holding space for an incapable man who happened to be my father. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing because, man, there's so much complexity there. Because you don't, you have, I mean, I don't know if you've learned what your dad was going through, but man, for him to stop and cry means that there was really something deep for him. Yeah. And that's one of the tough things about being a kid. It's like you don't realize your parents are just these flawed human beings who are doing their best. And man, they're just as messed up as all the rest of us. Yeah. And they got their own stuff. And when you're, when you can get that space, like, like you had to stop and, and get them to stop. It's like, man, you get to see that human being and it's yeah, that position they had before can really blind us sometimes to. Yeah. I think that, that that's societally, if you watch enough Disney films, you be, you create an image of what a parent is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And then everything is an expectation of what it's not. Right. So, so it's really, uh, it's amazing to, to not see them as anything other than another individual who happened to like, bring you into the world, you know, maybe mm-hmm. by accident, which was my case. Um, we have, uh, on, I, a camp, I, on, on a camping trip. <laughs> I, I asked, I asked my mother yesterday, we, I was asking a random question. I was like, um, why do you think we met? I told her. <laughs> and she kind of froze. I also froze at the question. She was like, I gave birth to you. I don't know. <laughs> you know what does a relationship mean? Like, I'm your mother. You're my son. That was <laughs> yeah. so. She was using this this language, and it, it kind of I think it made her really think a little bit. As I'm, I'm her son. Um, something that you said earlier, when you asked me if I went into old patterns, th- th- there was a moment, but I was still in Amsterdam, and I had a phone call from a family member and they were kind of telling me that my behavior um, was making family uh, uncomfortable. And I reacted. And then what I did, the next day I saw the reactions, I, oh fuck, I went down that, I, I let myself go down that path. So I, I sent a message and I just said, hey, listen, I really regressed in that moment. I, I was a five-year-old being told what to do. And um, I just said, I completely understand what you're telling me and I'm not coming to Cyprus to make your life difficult. I love you. And in any way I can support, but just know that there's also a way that I live and that's not negotiable. (laughs) So that was, so I love you and I understand the consequences of my behavior, but it's really not a negotiable thing. Mm -hmm. Good for you. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's part of the journey. It'll be so cool the day that they can say that to you and you go good. And then you smile and go, you guys still love me though. Right. And then hopefully they say yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the weird things about families is there's so many crazy people in them and sometimes it's us. And sometimes it's nice to know that and just assume. And then at some point, you know, and, and this, this ends up back to where you are. I give my parents credit because they were young when they had me, they got divorced when they were in their late twenties, but they, they're not stupid people and they have grown and they don't want to talk to me and that's fine. And we're all okay with that. But they understand that they're flawed and they understand I'm flawed. And 
there's a way for everybody to live and let everybody else live. And even if I call up my family, they would talk with me, even if they don't like me or they don't, or they, whatever ideas they have about me. I mean, cause they have ideas about me that I don't even know if they're, they're correct. But, and but help me understand. Like I've been on the call with you now for what, 50 minutes. And there's nothing in you that I can see that like is repulsed me or got me like, oh, that would trigger me if I was somebody else. So what is oh, it? It's that, easy. Oh, oh it's so easy. That? So so my family are very a good chunk of my family are very big Trump supporters. So um like the ones that are police officers would think that, you know, I don't support police officers, for example, which is oh, totally yeah. not true. Or um, the fact that I'm not living in the US. I've a if, if they look at it like I've abandoned them. And so I'm, I'm, I'm this person who abandons or they, they really believe I ran away and I, I don't, didn't run away at all. Right. I'm, I'm enjoying my life the way that I want to create it. They, they've created a lot of stories about me and I still keep in touch with some of them who don't have those stories and they're happy with me and that's fine. But I think the, the important thing is that to know that those people also recognize their own BS sometimes yeah. and it's like, but they don't all recognize it all at the same time. Yeah. So, you know, it's like you have. 50 family members and like at any one time five of them are recognizing that they're yeah, yeah, wrong yeah. and maybe you're not so bad and it's yeah. like this constant movement and there's always a group of them that are somewhat angry with you about something that they've told them so there's always a part of them that are like open to something else and it's always mm. shifting just like that what you were showing wow. so I, I guess with your family it's the same there's like you can be the crazy one sometime and just say, okay, yeah, I'm the crazy one. And then they laugh and there's a part of them that go, okay, good. He's aware. And they're, they're happy. And there's another part of them that goes, you know what? He's not really so crazy because the way he thinks. And, and then it changes the next time the opposite groups are that way. Yeah. And it's just this, that you, but you stay in touch and they stay your family and you stay connected somehow. And wow. Yeah. It's bizarre. It's a bizarre yeah. world. Yeah. The, I, uh, I didn't expect that one. And it doesn't surprise me. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, I remember when I left America for the first time, a friend of mine got really angry at me for the same reason. He said, Andy, you're betraying your friends by being away. And I, and I was thinking, what's the rationale behind this? I'm living my life. I'm doing what I love. Uh, I still feel connected to you. I don't see me living in another country as betraying you. And they were so fixated on that idea that it was just... I was sort of like, I could, I, how do you defend that? You know, like, what am I supposed to say? That's, but amazing that that's something you've had to uh, reconcile. It's uh, mind blowing. Oh yeah. Well, my 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 grandmother, my my father's mother, uh, she doesn't like to travel. She doesn't want to go anyplace, and she's just it's for her home is there where she is, and it's she's probably been outside of you know a fifteen mile radius of where she was born twice in her life. And that was already probably more than she wanted or she needed. So there's people like that and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. No. Um, yeah. But there's also, there's some people who are going to demonize people who do the opposite. Yeah. My grandma's never demonized me for that, but you know, there's, there's she's dead for other things. <laughs> well, you know, my grandma on my dad's side, she's, she's a typical, I, I shouldn't say typical. That's not right. She, she's an old style mother who yeah. her husband was the one that was in charge of the house. And yep. I have a very interesting family story about how the histor history behind that part of the family, but uh, they, they're, they're a very traditional family. So she yeah. kept her mouth shut and just went on her way. And her and I have, her and I still talk. I mean, she's yeah. slowly getting dementia, but her and I still talk and we still 
chat and she's happy to be there. Crazy your background that that's what you had to come from to see where you are right now, because you'd fit into any group I would be around. And I realized the groups you're describing are the ones I'd never have any association with because I have the choice because they're not family (laughs) for the most part. Um, We have Mariam who has been writing loads. She's been writing tons the whole show. And I would like to introduce, she also lost her father just three days ago. So we all, we send you a lot of love. And her story was not all that dissimilar from this stuff we're discussing right now as well. So I'm sure she's listening, also feeling into a lot of things we're sharing. But she asked, later in life, was there a point where you felt you needed to face all the things within yourself and how old were you when that was the case? Well, when I, when I went to Italy and I started understanding that I was just a product of my history, I just didn't like that. And I decided to start creating it. I started to come up with something different. Um, And that would have been, you know, probably, probably not when I first left Italy because when I first left Italy, I was scared shitless, to be honest. First time out of the country. Um, But through that process, over that year, and and then coming back to the US afterwards was a really rude awakening. And I'd understood that if I was, I didn't, I didn't want to just be, I didn't want to just be the next obvious link in a chain. Hmm. And I, I'd seen where that life had led everyone in my family. And I, I wanted to see if there was something else I could do. And I, and I had to understand, I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. And my way of confronting it was an exploration and, and just to to find out because I didn't know and being okay with not knowing, but understanding that how I, if I kept going the way I was going, I knew what the result was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the thing I said to myself at some point, the only thing consistent, all the problems in my life is me. (laughs) Yeah. Mariam and they still are. Yeah, exactly. Right. But there's far fewer problems because I sort of feel like there are a lot of skeletons in that closet. And I just said, I got to clean them out one by one. So there's far fewer that I, uh, at least that I'm aware of. There's still things that come up. Do you feel that your life experiences had an impact on how you saw life as you got older or created a certain pattern in relationships that were, weren't serving you? Oh, wow. That's a big question. And, and there's a lot that I could say. Um, for sure, I saw the, the things as I, as I got older. Um, one of the things I saw is that decision to create made a huge difference. And I can see it in every aspect of my life. Um, partially because I'm 44 and I still can't tell you where my life is going. <laughs> I, I don't know. I've done so many different things. I feel like I've lived 10 different lives and, and I would have never expected that at age 22. Um, I, I, it just would, it would never have even been a, as a possibility. And also to be at 44, 45 and not, and find, and find that to be interesting and fascinating and hopeful that that continues. Um, that's, that's a crazy thing. Um, so I would say I'm still exploring and I'm still learning. And I don't think that would have happened if I would have kept on the path that I, where I started when I was 18 or 16. Um, Patterns in relationships. um, There's so there's, that's a big topic as well. Um, I would say, so I was married and and divorced. I was married to a Polish girl and, and divorced. 
but a lot of reasons behind that. I don't, it's hard to say how much of that was related to me and how much of it was related to her because she was Polish. We met in France when I went to the wine company, we moved back to the US. She had a big cultural smack in the face because America coming from when we, when we, when I would go see her family, we had to wait in line at the border because the border was still closed. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was a different world. And coming to America was a really big cultural shock to her, much more than she'd realized. And, and I didn't realize how much, how difficult it was. So I don't know how much that was based on my past and how much um, not. Yeah. Um, I can say that a lot of my choices of picking women and a lot of my, a lot of the, I guess, um, flexibility I have with other people's opinions because my, my father divorced my mother because she was a lesbian. And I still look back on that. And I think that was a stupid decision because say what you want, but that would have been an interesting life because she didn't ask, she didn't necessarily want to get a divorce. Mm. It was my father who had taken a very strong Catholic stance. And I think he could have missed out on something that could have been really interesting. And that relationship could have gone on. He could have learned a lot. Um, and so I'm always in my relationships, I'm looking for where I could be missing out on somebody else's idea that I would have never thought of. Hmm. And I'm, cause I'm also still kind of, I still have my, a little bit that father mentality of, I have my ideas and I like to stick to them, but it, it's really pushed me to be more open and listen and look and say where, and that's, I mean, when I, my girlfriend's French and she has completely different ideas about life than me. And she drives me crazy sometimes with her ideas, but I also know, okay, this is part of the journey. And I'm, and that was why we stay together because I know it's a journey. And that's probably been a critical learning that's allowed me to, to have a relationship and have kids in a family. My, my mother never thought I would have kids. She thought I would be too scared of relationships after what happened uh, uh, with my parents. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So yeah, good question. I think we could probably talk about yeah. that for a long time in and of itself. Um, I think we we have to find another reason to have you on the show. So we'll figure out another another show title. Um, I love it. Yeah, it was. I uh, love French wine. Yeah, no, well, no. it wouldn't be one. It'd be something. Um, we we'd find something because you also have a whole area which we did not get into, which is what we discussed before, which was uh, what you're doing today. Because right. oh, you, yeah. you don't just talk about your family history. You actually have a real job. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Can you just tell us a little bit about that so I can prime it for the next show we're going to do? Oh, well, so the, the job is actually challenging to talk about everything. I mean, let's say the interesting thing is that I did write a book that has nothing to do with my family. But it is the pro about the process that I created for exploration in myself. And it was a long journey practicing on myself, uh, helping other people. And then also the research part of it, um, to really research and understand the depths of this as far as people go. And it's called, the book is called the alignment quotient, which is distinct from like IQ and EQ. Um, it's kind of the ability to choose who you are and then stick with it, uh, despite the situation and circumstances. So, nice. or your own emotions or anything else. And, um, so I created a, a course for, it, and there's a book, about it. And, uh, so that's one of the and things that I do. Mariam has asked the, could you repeat the name of it so she can look it up? Oh yes. It's called the alignment, alignment quotient. The alignment quotient. I think that we can find a nice show idea around that, that, uh, that we can certainly occupy another hour. 
cool. Yeah. And yeah. that could be also a quite emotional one as well. Cause the journey is, uh, is an interesting one. Yeah. And I think everyone, you know, comes at the angle of, you know, every, there's wording that's used. I see the word source used a lot for when people are living their true self and there's certain words and phrases. I think as people get older, um, they start to all find a certain place where they all gather and we all use different terminology, but we're often pointing at the exact same place. Mm-hmm. We love you, Chris. Uh, thank you for joining us. See thank you next you. time. Thank you, yeah. guys. Bye. It's a wonderful chaos. We like it that way.